Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Father, we thank you today as we look into your word, Father, that you help us uh, to present your word. We cannot do anything. We acknowledge that without you, we cannot do anything. So, Father, we thank you that you help us as we look into your word today by your spirit. We give you all the praise and glory for everything that you say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're on a a series that we started this month. It's called Working Your World. And if you look at that graphic up there, just a, a little illustration. The top left, there's a shopping center. The middle, there's an office building. Over to the right, there's a construction site. At the bottom right is an auditorium. And then on the left at the bottom is just being out near the river. So it's kind of like just depicting all the places that we can be at various times. Some may work on construction sites. Some uh, may work in offices and everything in between. And then, of course, we all go out and shop and we all rub shoulders with the world. So we're talking about working your world. Here is one out of the two scriptures we used last week is a text scripture. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 47, it says, For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So God's plan and his purpose is that salvation goes everywhere, to every place, to the ends of the earth. So the reason we exist, once you make Jesus your Lord, once we become Christians, The reason we exist is to get salvations to the end of the earth. That's our number one purpose. And actually, when we pursue the number one purpose, it's amazing how other things take care of themselves. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and everything else is added. So as long as we seek the right things, then we can be increased and blessed. So we don't seek after wealth and riches, but we seek after souls. When you seek after souls, it's amazing how God can take care of the other stuff. So we exist because the precious blood of Jesus was shed so people could be saved. So even with that, here's, here's, an, here's where we're going. We've already had last week. That was the making of the worker. So we talked about that last week. Then this week, we're going to talk about the commission of the worker. Next week is Easter. And we're going to have a combined service. Everyone say 10 o'clock. And then the week after will be the tools of the worker. So it'll be interesting on how that turns out because it's also, as we saw, um, it's a a holiday. And um, it already slipped my... Anzac, yeah. And so it'll be interesting how that all comes together. But we're going to talk about the tools of the worker. God will make a nice picture there, I'm sure. Uh, And then uh, the last week we'll talk about the world of the worker. So just a review from last week, we talked about the making of the worker. So we talked about why we work, what motivates us. It's not guilt, condemnation, and shame, but it's because God gets on the inside of us and compassion and love is on the inside of us. So we don't have to do this. We get to do it. We're not forced by God to do it. We choose to do it. We get to do it. That's, why, that's what motivates us, okay? And then we talked about the seasons of our life and what piece of work fits in that season. And so I made mention, and I, I want to just say again, as, as far as housewives are concerned, ladies that are raising children, it's one of the most wonderful things that you can do is raise children, and it's not 
you're not missing anything. It's not substandard. And so there's times uh, when children are younger and you're not able to do maybe what other ladies can do during that time. But raising those children, the Bible says that children are like an arrow in the hand of the Lord and that he, you can point point that arrow. In other words, that children become a weapon for the kingdom of God. So raising children and them growing up, man, it's like doing kingdom work. So ladies that are doing that, you're doing an awesome thing. Uh, so that, that just know that. So what can you do in your season? Well, you can pray at home and you can, you can fit things in, but you, we all just need to know the season we're in and what peace we can do in that season. And it, there's no guilt or condemnation and, and all that kind of stuff or pressure. It's just knowing that makes a difference. And then we talked about what is God's most uh, prized possession and it's people. Jesus didn't die for gold and silver and all those things. Thank God that we can be increased with those things, but those things are all just so we can do more work for the kingdom. We're here for a short period of time, and everything we have is for him, and it's for people to get saved. So um, the most prized possession of God is people, people, okay? And then uh, we talked about last week what is worth dying for, and it is actually people, that Jesus laid his life down for people. And so we don't, thank God we live in a country where we're not getting beheaded for being a Christian, but what we can do is give our time, our prayers, and all those things for people. That's how we can lay our life down. Um, There's others around the world that get beheaded for being Christians, okay? So this week we want to talk about the commission of the worker. And if commission is a word that you're not familiar with, a word we could say is assignment. So it's like we could just substitute and we can say the assignment of the worker. What is our assignment? So here's, let's watch this video. This video says it all. Hi, my name's Wendy and I've been with Rainbow Family Church now for about two and a half years. I just want to share with you one time when I took a friend to the Logan Hospital for an appointment and we were there. She went off to see her appointment and as I looked to the right, There was a young lady sitting under a tree and as my friend went to see her appointment I decided I'd wait for my friend under the tree where that lady was. And we just started talking and just sharing the day and she shared with me that um, she had had a miscarriage and that she was in the hospital at this stage to stop this baby that she was now carrying from miscarrying as well. And I was able to share with her um, just the day and friendship and caring and she shared with me that she goes but I know that my baby is in heaven and I said yes your baby is in heaven I said but do you know how to get to your baby and she said no I don't know how to get to heaven and I asked her would she allow me to share with her what the Bible said about getting to heaven because I always have um, a Bible app downloaded on my mobile phone so I got my mobile phone out and I shared with her some verses and specifically um, a verse in Romans in uh, chapter 10 verse 9 which shares that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died and he rose again, and if you confess this with your mouth, you will be saved. And I asked her if she believed this, and she said, yes, I've believed this. I said, have you ever confessed this or prayed this? And she said, no. And I said, well, would you like to pray that with me now? And she said, would you? I would so love for you to do that because I really want to know that I'll go to heaven and meet my babies. And so she um, did, just there, whilst people were passing us, just sitting under a tree outside Logan Hospital, just on a random day, she accepted Jesus into her heart. Don't you love that? 
and that kind of, you know, that, um, that just makes it seem so doable for everyone on a random day. I like that, the selection of words there. On a random day, you know, just really not expecting that, but just being open to share like that. So um, that that's just makes it seem so easy. So today, um, we want to start talking about, like, what are we commissioned to do? What are we commissioned to do? So Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And uh, notice it just, I just cut it off there early in that scripture. But I, I want you to first of all notice in that scripture that when you talk about an assignment, it says go and make disciples of all nations. And so there's a lot of nations in the world, but the kingdom of God is like a nation, and that nation really supersedes any other nation. So there's like the kingdom and that nation is in all the other nations. So as the church, the Bible says we can go into all the world. Now, we're talking about working your world. And so there, the Bible really says there's some that are called to stay and there's some that are called to go. So there are some people, and we're some of them, my wife and I, that the Lord said move back in 1993. The Lord said go to Italy. So we went to Italy for nine years. Then we went after that to Singapore for four years. And then after that, we've been in Australia for the last 10 years. And, um, and this, when we got here, it seemed more like home. So we actually did some paperwork. Uh, there's some seats over there, guys, on this side. Um, so we, we, um, we did paperwork and we became citizens here because it just felt like home. But until that time, we were just like, whatever you want, Lord, wherever you want us to go, we'll go. And so there's some people that are called to go, but then there's a lot of people that stayed where we came from, and they have been, they supported us with finances on a monthly basis so we could go. So some people are called to go to other nations, but everyone is called to go into their world. All right? So as we look at these scriptures, Matthew chapter, Mark 16 and verse 15, it says, and he said to them, go into all the world notice all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation whoever believes and is baptized will be saved but whoever does not believe will be condemned and then 4 and verse 46 and he said to them thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So then again, please notice that it says repentance in his name should be proclaimed to all nations. All nations. Everybody, can you just say all nations? So it's, it's everywhere. And then Matthew 9 and verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, as a result of this, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So what we see here in these scriptures, and by the way, 
you know, I'm going to let the Bible do a lot of talking today. We don't normally use this many scriptures, but we're going to look at a lot of scriptures today because the Bible says it all, and it makes it really clear. So we see there's two things. We see there's the Lord said you can pray, and the Lord said you can also go. So there is a praying, and there's also a going. So here's the, the first thing about our commission, that we're commissioned to pray and we're commissioned to go. So as I said earlier, that sometimes you're in a season of your life where you're not even able to go. If you go to a, a shopping center with young kids, if you don't keep your eye on them, you're going to be going to the information desk saying, my children are lost, and they're going to be making an announcement. that ha- I've, We've been around, we've done a lot of traveling, we've heard announcements like that at airports, like pe- kids get lost at airports, they get lost at shopping centers. You've got to watch younger kids. So there's there's a time that you might not be able to do some things, but you know your season in that time, you can pray. You can do more praying. So also, when we look at the commission, I don't know about you guys, but um, the first thing that happened with me after Jesus became Lord, I immediately knew that I escaped hell and I made heaven. I immediately knew something was different And then my first thing is I want to make sure my mother and my father, and I had five brothers, my immediate concern was for them. Does anybody relate to that? Did that happen with you? So at first I just went all out to make sure my father, mother, and my other brothers came into the kingdom of God. So I just remember, you know, the commitment that you make. Before then, uh, I used to go out on Saturday nights to the discotheque before I knew Jesus. And that was like a Saturday night. As soon as Jesus came in my heart, I no longer wanted to ever go to a discotheque again. Now, every, everyone has different convictions, but if you grow up in discotheques and you meet Jesus, you think, how shallow, and whoever wants to use time there again? But I guess there's some Christians that they grow up, there's some young ones that grow up as Christians, and they get curious. Can I just say to you younger ones, it's not worth it. I've been there, done that. I burnt the T-shirt because I, I, I did. It's like it's shallow. It's worthless. It's, you know. Anyway, okay. But so, like, I, I did that reversal thing. So I went over to my brother's, my brother's house, and I spent Saturday night there until he wasn't saved. So he told me around eleven o'clock. I just was working on him little at a time throughout the evening, and he wasn't safe, so he cussed at me. He said, get the H out of my house. You know, he said, I want to go to sleep. I'm tired. And I said, okay, but just because he did that didn't mean I was going to stop. And he, of course, he got saved a long time ago, but you know, what is my point? Like, well, if you know you're missing hell and you actually love other people, you surely, especially your family, you surely don't want them to go. Now, I do want to say this about that because maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, Uh, Well, I missed it because some of my family, I didn't do that. I want to tell you, and some of you heard this story, but I got to remind you, especially if you haven't heard it, that um, my brother, Dave, he drowned when he was 21 years old. I was 23, and I got saved when I was 23, right after he drowned. And then my brother, Joe, he was about 19 years old. And so my brother, Joe, and I became Christians after my brother died. And, you know, one reason is, is after my brother died, you know, we, we thought, well, you know, we didn't know where he was. And so we were curious. And the Lord sent somebody to tell us 
where he, you know, about heaven. But, but here's what I wanted to tell you. One, one year after that my brother died, we ran into these two Italian-Americans, because, you know, like Italians like to hang out together sometimes. So these two Italian-American girls that we knew, they, they said, do you know we've been wanting to run into you since your brother died? We led your brother to the Lord one hour before he drowned. And, I'm, and why I'm saying that, because you might think, well, I didn't speak to my relatives. Well, I didn't either. But God, God, the precious blood of Jesus is so precious that God will give everyone a chance some way or the other. He sent those two girls, and they led my brother to the Lord, just like Wendy led that lady to the Lord one hour before he died. So if that is any kind of comfort to you concerning your relatives, God is merciful, and his blood was so precious that he's going to do everything because of that blood that was shed. Okay, so we all, we all get that where we want to especially give priority to our loved ones and our immediate family, okay? Now, here's, here's another motivating factor. Of course, love is a great motivating factor that you love your family, but here's another motivating factor, and that is eternity. Like, eternity is a motivator. So I'm, I'm just calling this eternity is our motivation. And here's some scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8, it says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. That's the Apostle Paul talking. Now, if you're not real familiar with the Bible, before Paul the Apostle became a Christian, he, he persecuted and killed Christians. He was a Pharisee. He was a religious man that hated Christians, and he was killing Christians. And then Jesus got a hold of him, and now he's on the other side, and he's a Christian. It was interesting that he was the one inflicting pain and killing, and now he's on the other side, and he's receiving it. He, they, he got whipped. He got stoned. He was persecuted terribly. This is what he's talking about. All the persecution he's going through because of Jesus, okay? So here's continuing to read. Uh, you know, it's kind of like he, got, he changed employers, and his new employer did not have very good, uh, did not have very good on, on the job safety. Workplace safety was suffering here with Paul as he worked. <laughs> you know, sometimes workplace safety as a Christian, where maybe in this country we just get verbal persecution, but back then they were getting physically persecuted. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 4.10, continuing to read, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And you know what he's talking about there? He was stoned, left for dead, and he just stood up and walked to another city to preach. I mean, the power of God came on him, and he was like healed after he was stoned. You know, when the, you ever see them stone people, big stones hitting you in the head? and he was left for dead, he just raised back up and walked to another city to preach the gospel. That's what you call being sold out for the gospel, okay? And then in verse number 11, it says, For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. I want you to notice that it's for the sake of Jesus there, okay? And then look at this. It says, So death is at work in us, but life in you. 
And so somebody to get sold out for this cause, they might take, they give their life and they suffer some ways. Sometimes it's financially, sometimes it's hardships, various things. But they're saying, that might be going on with me, but my main concern is that life is going on in you. In other words, the very message that I preach, I'm laying my life down to do it. I'm giving, I'm, I'm sacrificing, but it's all for you so that you can have life. And so as Christians, you know, that's why we exist. It's not just about us. It's about others, okay? Uh, so then look at in verse number 15, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 15. It says, for it is all for your sake. That's really clear. It is all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more, notice, more and more people. Paul was in it for people. You know, some, sometimes we get sidetracked. You know, the Bible says study to show yourself approved. So I really like studying the Bible, but I can't just get sidetracked into knowledge. The Bible also says knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So we can just make knowledge our thing, and then we forget people. Does that make sense? It's balance. Balance is the key to everything, okay? So it, it says, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So it's us arriving at a place as soon as we can where we don't think, what can you do for me? It's more like, what can I do for others? Getting to that place. Here's another scripture, verse 17. It says, all of the persecution he was going through, look what he said. He said, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. What does that mean? All of the persecution that they were getting, he said it was light and it was only for the moment because he was living with eternity as his perspective or whatever word you want to use there living life thinking about eternity eternity is forever life on the earth is for a moment so we live our life thinking about eternity when you do that you realize well it's you know it's okay to have things but they're going to stay here but i'm going to be up in heaven for eternity and you know we're going to walk on streets of gold up there that we don't you know we don't even have to labor to get it We'll have all that stuff later, but right now, we're willing to lay down and sacrifice because of eternity. That's basically what he's saying there, okay? So notice there uh, uh, that we could say this, that our own lives are secondary to the spreading of the gospel. So we can even examine ourselves. Where are we? Is, is my, you know, ask yourself that question. With no guilt and condemnation, because guilt and condemnation, that's not of God. So when we do that, we can examine ourselves like, where am I right now with this? And if, if we're not where we want to be, you just simply tweak. Just tweak. You make tweaks. It's not like no, no pressure, no guilt, no condemnation. Just let the Lord work on our hearts, and he'll make us that we're more, we're, if we're not in this for ourselves, but we, we are in it for others, okay? And he can help us get to that place uh, more and more, Okay. So we could say this, that having a proper view of eternity will drastically affect how we live our lives, okay? And, and I think that's so worthwhile, but if you don't mind, can you say that with me? Ha let's say this together. Having a proper view of eternity will drastically affect 
how we live our lives. You know, and, and really, if you, if you watch a lot of television, and even you watch, like, I, and I refuse, not, don't, don't, I, I'm not trying to come off like I'm so great or super spiritual, but those shows that they make, like those weekly shows about the modern family, who cares how the world lives? And, it, you know, you'll, you won't catch me using one minute of my time watching how they live their life and what's important and valuable to them. And, you know, okay, so I, I don't want to get too excited about that. <laughs> but, but who cares? We're, we're not them. And who cares about the modern family? I never watched it, so it might be good. But <laughs> I don't even want to use one second to watch it. You know? We're, we're, we're different, okay? And even, like, young people that getting married, and you watch, like, what the world says about building a marriage and building a family. Who cares what they think about it? What they're, what's important to them? Okay, I'll move on. Okay, so, um, thank you. Thank you for that one clap. <laughs> um, Here's another, like, let's ask this question. When does the commission end, like this assignment that we have? If you're curious about one, when does it end? Okay, so uh, let's look at some scripture. It will answer this for us. In Matthew t chapter 28 and verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this assignment that we're doing, when does it end? It ends at the end of the age. What is the end of the age? Well, here's what the pulpit commentary says about it. It says, even unto the end of the world, the consummation of the age, when the new air is ushered in, evangelizing work will cease. So when, we're, we're, when, we, when, when do we finish evangelizing? It's when Jesus comes back at the end of the age. Until then, we're called for the world, okay? So with that all in mind, that's like a foundation I wanted to lay now. I just need to move through this here. But let's talk about the necessity of the commission. Why is it so necessary? And so here's, one, here's what I want to say. For, like, I, I Google this, and this is not Christians saying this, but this is, like if you Google this, these are the big questions that they have out in the world. So here they are, like what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? Who am I? What is right? What is wrong? What happens after death? Is there really a heaven and a hell? Does God exist? So those are like the big questions that people have out there. And they're all waiting for somebody to come with answers, okay? So when I was uh, meditating on this, I got three things to talk about the necessity of this assignment that we have. And, and they just happen to be like they all rhyme, but I'm not a poet. But it's, it was like separation, condemnation, and destination. So we're just going to look at those three things now. And, uh, and it's, it really helps us to see from God's Word. And God's Word actually, what happens is it, it changes us. And that's really how we live our life with a different perspective. The Word changes us. So separation is the first one. Isaiah 59 in verse 2 it says, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. This is the Bible describing people 
that are separated from God. So everyone that doesn't know Jesus, no matter if, you know, they might say they have another religion, but there's only one way to get. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So the only way to get connected to God is through him. So all the people that do not know him, the Bible says they're separated from God. And it's not my opinion, it's the Bible, okay? So we see separation. That's, you know, the necessity of the commission. The reason we have this assignment is God has called us to reconcile the world back to him. And the way we reconcile, the way we bring everyone back to him is through Jesus, all right? Then in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 12, it says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. So he's telling the Ephesians, before you made Jesus your Lord, you were separated, you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. It, you know, like, I, I haven't interviewed billionaires because I, I don't know if I've ever talked to a billionaire, but it would be interesting to interview a billionaire, not just a millionaire, and, and even though they built the empire that they have all that money, but if they don't know God... Like, do they know why they're on the earth? It'd be interesting, you know, but I've never sat down with a billionaire, you know. I only sit down with trillionaires. Those, one of the, no, you know, I'm just joking. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't very often get to meet a billionaire, but do they, are they fulfilled? They built an empire, but are they actually fulfilled? Do they know where they're going to go when they die? Do they, do they even really completely know why they're on the earth? Did their empire bring satisfaction we don't know that, okay? Here's another scripture, 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 7. It says, And to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Notice that it says from heaven. because I mean, I just recently talked to someone, and, they, and they, they wonder if there really is a heaven. Well, the Bible's really clear that there is a heaven, and Jesus is going to come back from there, with his mighty angels, and now look at this, inflaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. If that isn't enough to motivate us, to motivate us. You know, I, I'm on... Uh, I'm on these message boards for my football team. And so they have one, it's a paid board, and you get inside information on your team. And then you get this other one where it's free, where most people are there. But then there's another one, it's called War and Politics. It's free, but you're not allowed to talk about religion, war, and politics on the football ones. But if you want to go talk about it on the other ones, you can. So I've gone over there, and I've preached the gospel over on that one and I open up conversations. It's another way that I, I, I do stuff on the message boards. But it's so interesting because when people think, and, and sometimes they seem very educated, like there's one guy on there that I've been working on him for a while. He's so educated, but he just thinks that there's a, there's a, every religion is valid and every religion leads you to God and all that. And so, you know, it's like trying to get over to a very educated person that there was only one that was raised from the dead. There's only one that died and came back to life. There's only one that ascended up to heaven where people saw him ascend up into heaven. There's only one, and that's Jesus. 
And so to get that over, that's, that's why we're on the earth. So I, I want you to notice there, because I recently had somebody in, in today's world and even in the universities, I don't, and, and I, I don't know how every university is, some of them are more extreme than the others, but there's like a set of professors nowadays, and it's almost like they have a goal, and their goal is to teach people like the wrong stuff, anti-God and anti-this, and they're trying to change our society at the grassroots for what they teach in universities. And of course, uh, it's not a good thing. So, and then in all of what they're doing, they're causing our young people to get real sensitive. And it's like they don't want to talk about black and white, what's true and not yes and no and all, and, and even be able to handle confrontation. It's causing some people to be very weak and they get hurt real easy. And so, so I, I, I talk to people along these lines that are getting affected this way, and they, ha- they, they will not admit that God, that God is God, but if God wants to do what he says, no one can stop him, and no one really can question him. So look at this. So like I, I wanna, I'm doing this for a reason because this will motivate us, you know. So look at First uh, uh, Thessalonians 8, 1, 8 again. I want you to notice this. It says, inflaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. That it motivates all of us that we don't want anyone to go there. That's very motivating, okay? Look at this, that they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. I just had a conversation with someone recently, and they said, I just have a hard time believing God could be that way. And I said, well, we're not God, so we can't question him. But all I know is that's enough to motivate us that we want to do our part, that we want to make sure we get to as many people as we can with the gospel. Okay, now look at verse number 10. It says, when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. So that's beautiful. You know what he's saying? We preached the gospel to you, you believed, and because you believe when he comes back, you're going to marvel at him because you believed. So the, the group of people that, that hear and believe and accept Jesus, we're all going to marvel at him. But I don't know about you, but my heart is for the ones that don't do that, you know. And so that's why we're on the earth, okay? So the living life with a continual awareness that people around us could enter eternity and suffer the punishment of eternal judgment, living life like that, being aware of that, it keeps our eyes off of ourselves. Keep, you know, it's just good to keep the eyes off of ourselves and on others. The next word I got was condemnation. So Romans 5.18, it says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. And then also Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So condemnation, if that's an unfamiliar word to you, it means punishment. So when a Bible talks about condemnation, it can also mean a condemning sentence. So because Adam and Eve sinned, a condemning sentence or judgment or condemnation came on the world. So people were separated from God, but then they also came under condemnation. When we lead people back 
and we reconcile them back to God, not only are they no longer separated, but they're no longer under condemnation. So everyone in, in this room, which is the, almost the entire majority of people in this room, you're Christians, so that means as you sit in your seat, you should have no guilt or condemnation on you right now. So this message that we're looking at and teaching, it shouldn't bring guilt or condemnation, but it should be motivation. Because we, like as soon as you get connected back to God, the Bible says there's no condemnation. But the people out there, they're under condemnation. And I, I haven't done this for a while, but I used to do some Googling. And, and you find out how many people are in the mental asylum and they're in a mental asylum because they think they committed an unpardonable sin. And it drove them crazy. <clears throat> so when Jesus came to get rid of our sin and our guilt and our condemnation, that's a big thing. Many people out there are living under that, and it can drive people crazy. As soon as they get reconciled back to God, they're connected, but they're also, they, as we sang today, the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's relieving everyone and, and lifting them of their condemnation. And then finally, destination. Okay, so Luke 16, verse 22, it says, The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. A story about one person that made the right decision and another person that didn't. So you can see that there's a contrast between there's like the place of suffering, which is Hades, could be called hell. And then this is like Abraham's bosom. Uh, it was a place before Jesus where people uh, were being held till they could get into, into heaven after Jesus arose from the dead, okay? But notice there, there's that distinction of different places, destination. And then notice in John chapter 14 and verse 2, in my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may also be. And so there's this other place that is being prepared for us. And somebody, others that have died and came back to earth, they have described the place. But, you know, if it really is a place that God is going to do uh, and put us in a place, things that we really love and appreciate, you know, I think I'm going to be on a beach in a mansion with snow-covered mountains behind me. And just every kind of ethnic food you can think of. Every, oh, and, and I don't know if I'll want to eat as much as I like eating now, but just think if we can eat all, all that we want to eat, and you won't, because you have a different kind of body, we don't have to deal with high cholesterol, any of those things. Just, have, oh, it's, but think about it. He's preparing a place for us, okay? All right, then look at this one last scripture for today, a couple verses. In First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, uh, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may also not grieve as others do who have no hope. 
For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring him, uh, bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So everyone that dies in Christ will end up coming back with him. And then look at verse 15. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a, of a command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So we're talking about destination. So the necessity and the reason that we have this commission is because people are separated, they're under condemnation, and they're going to the wrong place. We are on the earth to get them connected. We're on the earth to, so that their condemnation and guilt can be lifted off of them, and we're on the earth so they can go to the right place. That's why we exist. So what we, we can do in closing is we can first of all pray because the Lord said pray that there would be to pray that the Lord send people or harvesters into the harvest field so every one of us can do prayer I mean you can just do a prayer that lasts for two seconds or five you know like a, a like a prayer like father thank you that I just pray that you send laborers into your harvest field what is that like a second or two that's all it took but just even doing that then then there is like the kind of prayer that you decide you're gonna put some prayer in and you know we've been doing that in some of our prayer groups around here believing God for an outpouring like an outpouring so what we saw Wendy do she was led by God and followed the Holy Spirit and led a person to the Lord we should all be doing that as we still believe God and wait for an outpouring an outpouring is when God's spirit falls from heaven. He, he draw, his spirit, he just sends it down, and it affects cities. And they've happened. The most significant outpouring happened in the country of Brit uh, England. And, and it affected the whole town. It was so powerful in that area that the pubs closed, the brothels closed, all of those things closed because they had no business because when God gets on the inside of people, they don't want to frequent those kind of places. And so they all closed down. Okay, so that's what you call an outpouring. And so we can pray and believe God for an outpouring, but while, and we can't, we can't make it happen, but while we're, we're waiting for the outpouring, we can do what we saw on that video where we can be just sensitive to just lead one person to the Lord at a time. So that's what we can do. So in, in closing, you know, just uh, thinking about when we're out and about, to just listen, listen. And not only sometimes listen, some of you guys, and I know because I've heard your testimonies, you'll get visions and you'll see things. And we have that happen when we have our explosion days in the Bible school where the gifts of the Spirit go into operation and people see things and they follow that. There's other times where you're just led by the Spirit. Now, like myself, sometimes what I have happen, and I know some of you told me you have that too, where your hands get hot and warm, and that's the healing power of God. 
and you know when your hands get hot that God, there's somebody around you that's sick. So, so we can just like start being sensitive and being led in all the situations that we're in, okay? So, Father, I thank you today for everyone that heard this, Lord. And we thank you. There isn't guilt, condemnation, Father God, but we thank you that we uh, don't, we're not forced. Uh, we're, we don't do things out of pressure, but we're led by your Spirit. We're led forth with peace. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, Father. So we thank you that we're motivated by the right things. We're motivated by eternity, Lord. So I thank you that what was spoke on today, Father God, that it, it, it will be in our hearts. That it, it, Father, we just ask that it just, you just burn it in there, Father God, and it's something that sticks, that it's sticky. We'll remember it. We ask that in Jesus' name. Before we dismiss today, if you're with us and you're saying, wow, you know, I'm sitting here and I realize I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Well, th that's good if you recognize that because what we're going to do right now is we're going to lead you in a prayer to make sure before we dismiss that everyone in a seat in this building is going to, this morning right here, make sure before you walk out the door that you know you're going to heaven. So I'd like to invite you to close your eyes and we're going to pray this prayer together. And if you're here and saying, well, I'm not sure I'm going to go to heaven, this is your time. It's a very important time for you. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So we're going to lead you in a prayer that you can do that very thing where you can confess Jesus as your Lord. All right, so let's, let's do this together. We, we like to close our eyes when we pray because, well, when you do that, you can pray fervently from your heart and you can concentrate on what you're praying. So with eyes closed, if you're with us today and you want to make sure you're going to heaven, this is your time to pray. Let's do this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I acknowledge you are the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to your Father except through you. Jesus, I believe God raised you from the dead. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you that you shed your blood for me. Thank you that you first loved me. Because you love me, I now love you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.